like to look at a verse of scripture in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 12 this evening. We'll just uh, look at one verse there for a few minutes. 1 Samuel chapter 12. And again, we're in the Old Testament. We understand these uh, words was, of course, uh, to Israel at that particular time. But as I said this morning, if we just view this as history, then we're missing. So certainly it's for the Lord's elect people in this days uh, as well. So we'll uh, look at verse 24 of 1 Samuel 12. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider how great things he hath done for you. So this, just one little verse of scripture, gives us instructions for a couple things. One instruction is fear the Lord. The other instruction is serve the Lord. And then it tells us to the degree or how to serve the Lord. And last, then it tells us why to serve the Lord. So it talks about uh, uh, only fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. And there are different Hebrew words uh, for this translated in the fear of the Lord. And uh, this particular word here does have two meanings. And uh, it, uh, one of them is, as you would think, fear, danger, fright, impending danger. That's one of the definitions of this word. But the other definition is revere or reverence. To regard with respect and affection mingled with awe. And those are, those are different meanings. They're not the same thing. They're, I mean, it's the same word. But Terry, those are, those are different meanings. So fear. You might have a fear of icy roads. You're talking about snow and, and things this, this weekend. You might have a fear of icy roads, and that will be one fear. But do you have respect and affection mingled with all that you feel for those icy roads? Well, no. That's, there are two different fears. So then this, the text will uh, have to... to uh, let us know which fear it's talking about. So, verse 14 in that first Samuel says, If ye will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against uh, the commandment of the Lord, then shall ye both, uh, both ye and also the king who reigneth over thee continue following uh, the Lord your God. So here it says to fear the Lord. Again, I guess that doesn't necessarily tell us which one there, but fear the Lord. And then in verse uh, 20, And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not, 
So we have fear. And then we have fear not. Said, you have done all this wickedness, yet turn not aside from following the Lord. But serve the Lord with all your heart. So we got fear, and then you got fear not. And in our text, only fear the Lord. I remember personally, as I've told you before, there was a time I was terrified of the Lord. I didn't want to think about him because I didn't know him. But what I'd heard, I was terrified. And I've, I've confessed that be out running around as a teenager and everything. And I wouldn't even want to drive past the church on Aaron's Creek, Bill. I just didn't want to think about it. I was afraid. I was terrified. And then, uh, some years later, the Lord took me to services as an adult. Begin to hear Brother Alston and Brother Don as they would talk about God and talk about the Lord. And slowly, I began to lose that terrorizing fear. I, I didn't see him as this judge standing up there just ready to condemn me and everything. I began to see him as my loving Heavenly Father. So then, and, and then to see scriptures like that all things work together for good. So things that would happen, and I realized, and then I was taught that God is a sovereign. He's in control of everything. So then when I realized the Heavenly Father is in control of everything, it's all working together for my good. And then he is, I am his child. He is my father. Then all of a sudden, I didn't have this terrorizing fear anymore. Not only, I didn't, not only was I not afraid to drive by the building, I wanted to go there three times a week. So I began to grow a little bit. And then one day, I saw the scripture. And it said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. And I thought, I, I went backward because, Terry, I'd lost my fear. I wasn't terrified of him anymore. And I'd lost my terrorizing fear. And I thought that I was growing. But then the scripture said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. And Chuck, I, w I was really confused. But I didn't understand that word fear. When it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding, that's a reverence. It's respect and affection mingled with awe. And that's the definition, one of the definitions of this word fear here. Respect and affection mingled with awe. And don't you see God that way? Certainly we have respect. And we have affection. He's our loving Heavenly Father that sent His Son to die for us. And then when we realize He's the creator of everything, He's in control of everything, then we stand in awe of Him. So that's what this fear is. Respect and affection mingled with awe. That's this fear. Not a terrorizing fear. Uh, So then, uh, it talks about uh, serving. 
the Lord in, in, in uh, 24. Only fear the Lord and serve him. And so we, to serve, as I've mentioned, a servant is what? <laughs> a servant, work, there's work. You can't, I mean, you just can't take that word and, and, and take work away from it. So to serve is to work, to serve. And I'm giving the definition of the Hebrew word, which be pronounced something like obad or something like that. Serve, to, to work, to serve, to till, as they would till the ground, to enslave, to keep in bondage in some places. Bond service, husbandman, labor, service. So, it says, fear the Lord and serve. I, I think the question here is, what motivates our service to the Lord? You may say, well, you know, it's predestinated whether we do or whether we don't. And yes, that's true. But uh, to better understand it, maybe, I think, we can, I think we can find something that will help us better understand it. So what motivates us to serve the Lord? Because plainly, we are to serve. We are to fear. We are to serve. Reverential, reverential fear and serve. So... Do you uh, work or serve because you're afraid God will get you if you don't? Is that what motivates you to, to serve and be a servant? Do you serve to keep you out of the lake of fire? Or do you serve to so you'll get to heaven? Or do you serve to get rewards? Should any of these things be what motivates us to serve? We work, we serve because of love. And we'll read the last part of this verse, we'll come back to it. But it said, for consider how great things he has done for us. When we see what he's done for us, then out of love, that's why we serve him. And I'll, I think I said this recently, but I want to say it again. Uh, Nita Roberts who's, went to her heavenly home. We was talking on a subject like this. And she said, I, you know, I don't want to work. And, uh, of course, I, I, knew, I, I knew Nita, and, and I, she was elderly, and she didn't feel like working, so to speak. And I asked you, or, or working or serving, so I asked her, I said, well, do you like to come to services? Well, you know I love to come to services. Well, do you like to study the Bible? Well, you know I love to study the Bible. Do you like to talk about the Bible? Witness? Well, you know that I do. I said, that's work. That's serving. 
And she says, well, I don't consider that work. And it's not a burdensome work. But that's why we serve the Lord out of love. And it's not a burdensome. We don't, it's, it's not a bur- If you feel it's burdensome, then, you know, we're, I think we're missing, well, we're missing the love. But it says, so we fear the Lord and serve, but it tells us how to serve in truth. Does it make a difference? You can labor your whole life, as many do. I see them out knocking on doors. I've had them come to my house before, knocking on doors. And some would say, well, we're Jehovah's Witnesses. And like Brother Austin, well, that's yet to be determined if you're Jehovah's Witnesses or not. Turns out they were not. By name, they may have been. They were not Jehovah's Witnesses. They were not serving the Lord. They thought they were, but they were not. But you can labor your whole life. But if you're pointing people to the law of Moses... You're not serving the Lord. And that's what they were doing, among other things. But you're, you're serving the law instead of serving the Lord if you're pointing people to the law of Moses. And, and most of the time, that's where they're pointing people, to the law of Moses. That's the way. But see, if you're doing that, you're not serving him in truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. If I'm pointing people to anything other than him, I'm not serving him. I'm not serving him in truth. If I point you to the best you can do, or kneeling down and praying, or uh, taking the first step, making the right decision, see, I'm not pointing you to the Lord. And I'm not serving him in truth. So there are people that may go through those motions their entire life, but they're not serving the Lord in the truth. But now, so here's a question or a thought. And I, uh, after we taught on the, the uh, five wise and the five foolish virgins, I thought that we might talk about this just a little bit and maybe uh, clear some things up. But this tells us the degree we're to serve the Lord. So there's a measurement here. We talked about the bride and, and being a servant and everything, but this is a little more precise. It gives us a measurement. It, it tells us Fear the Lord, and again, I, you realize that's a reverential fear. And you serve the Lord, and you serve Him in truth. Now, how much do you do that, though? What degree? And I don't want you taking my word for it. What does it say? With all your heart. At first, you might think, oh, oh boy. But you shouldn't think that way. Serve him with all your heart. 
Can you serve him with all your heart? Well, we can't serve him with all our heart. But by the grace of God, the answer is yes. Not only can you, but most of you do. Serve him with all your heart. And you might think, well, I, I don't know. I, I like going to movies and like going fishing. I like doing a lot of other things. I don't think I like hunting and, and uh, things. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I can serve him with all my heart or not. Yes, you can. Yes, you do. So the example, everyone doesn't. There are people that I think serves the Lord a little bit and serves man a lot. Again, they trust maybe 50% of the Lord and 50% on their ability to keep the law of Moses. See, they're not, they're not serving the Lord with all their heart. Serve maybe him a little bit, but then they're serving man. And, uh, of course, you know that you can't serve two masters according to the Scriptures. You, you can't serve man and God. You can't serve the law and the Lord. Now, the spirit of the law, yes, but the letter of the law, no. You can't serve both. You say, well, why can't you? If you're serving the law, you're not serving the Lord. That's why you can't serve two masters. If you're serving the law and not, if you're not serving the Lord with all your heart and you're trusting in the law or man, you're not serving him at all. You can't, because you can't serve uh, two masters. Uh, so our text said that we, we, uh, View him with reverence, with respect and affection, mingled with all. We serve him. We, and it's not a burdensome servantship. We serve him in truth. And we do serve him with all of our heart. Our heart's not divided. We're not looking at anything else. Serve him with all of our heart. We look to only him. Then it tells us the reason. We talked about the reason is that to keep you from going to the lake afar, why do you serve him? To keep you from going to the lake afar, uh, to get yourself to heaven, do you serve him so you'll get a lot of rewards? Is that the reason? It, it tells us here why we serve him, and that's how the verse ends. I'll, I'll read the whole verse. Only fear the Lord, serve him in truth, with all your heart, for... Consider how great things he has done for you. So this is, this is the reason we serve him. Consider the great things he's done for you. We don't serve him to keep us out of hell or like a fire. We don't serve him that we get rewards, although there may be rewards, but that's not the reason we serve him. We serve him because consider what things he's done for you. You know, sometimes if, if we make a list of 
of what he's done for us, sometimes I leave off one. You know one thing that he's done that I, I leave off? You see, he left glory. You know, we're, we want to go to glory. We'll go to glory one day. And when we go there, you think we'll want to come back? <laughs> no. But he left glory knowing what he was going to go through. And it wasn't pleasant. So he left glory, first of all. And then he suffered in his earthly walk. We know, you know how he suffered. He suffered when he took our sins from that cup. Oh, Lord, if it, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. As he took all those sins upon him, there was suffering. And, of course, on the cross. A lot of people were crucified on the cross. But none of them suffered the way he did because what he paid for. He paid for every one of the sins of every one of God's elect throughout all the ages. He, that's the price that he paid. So there was no suffering compared to the suffering uh, that he did. He paid for your redemption. And I, I think it's a couple places in the scriptures. But it talks about where uh, uh, that Israel, every male that opens the womb, they were supposed to sacrifice it to the Lord. Said it's, it's the Lord's. But then it talked about the unclean animals and gives a donkey as an example and it says but if it's a donkey you wouldn't sacrifice that to the Lord it's not, something unclean is not fit to sacrifice to the Lord so what do you do well the instructions were break its neck it's fit for destruction now Isaiah said we are all as an unclean thing all of our righteousness are as filthy rags and we're fit for destruction but, and that, uh, uh, as, as part of the law, when he said, you know, you take it and you break his neck, or you can redeem it with a lamb. And, and Chuck, no doubt free will cannot understand this at all. I don't know what they do with that scripture. But it's a picture. We is an unclean thing. But what they could do if the master, if the owner of that unclean thing, if it was his choice, he could redeem that unclean thing with a lamb. And spare, so the lamb would be sacrificed, the unclean thing would be saved. And the unclean thing had no choice in the matter. In fact, it was born an unclean thing, you could take it out there and, and raise it with the sheep. It's not going to be a sheep. It's still an unclean thing. It, the, that unclean thing can't do, it can't make a choice. It can't try harder. It can't do anything. It's an unclean thing. The only way of salvation is that the owner, the master, would choose to redeem it with a lamb. And Jesus Christ was our lamb. And it says, consider what he has done or consider how great things he has done for you. I like the scripture in Hebrew says, for the joy that set before him, he endured the cross. Saying that he could have called 10,000 angels, didn't have to go to the cross. Why did he go to the cross? 
because he considered you joy. It says, for the joy set before him. I picture this some back, somewhere back in eternity past. God the Father set you and you and you in front of him. Set all of his elect in front of him. And he considered you joy. He said, for the joy that set before him, he endured the cross. So we think of that, that's why we serve him. Consider what he's done for you. Consider the great things he's done for you. So that's why we serve him. And then, so he, he sent the comforter to bring us out of darkness. We talked about that some this morning. And this comforter teaches us of the great things that he has done. We talked about this morning uh, the window and the uh, uh, agate gems and everything that made it so beautiful. And, and he was on the outside of that building revealing himself to those within. But Chuck, everyone's not in that building, only the ones that he has chosen. Everyone doesn't have that window that shows the true beauty of our Lord that's on the other side of that window. So the Comforter teaches us these great things because, see, so many people don't believe in these great things that he's done for you. They picture him on the sideline as a cheerleader. He wants everybody to be saved. Well, that's not great things that he's done for us, but going, leaving heaven's glory going to the cross, redeeming you, that's great things that he has done for us. Thankful for the peace that he has given us. So as, as, we, as we serve him with all of our heart, the why is consider how great things he's done for you. And I think we have time. Let me read the scripture in... in uh, Gospel of John chapter 10. Haven't read that for a while. Very, very familiar scripture to all of you. John 10. Starting in 27. He says, my sheep. And you know his love for his sheep. But he says, my sheep hear my voice. Now, this is not dependent upon the sheep. It's dependent upon the shepherd. My sheep hear my voice. It doesn't say the good sheep or the ones that try hard. It just simply says my sheep. It's a fact. My sheep hear my voice. Not conditional. Just it's a fact. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. Again, these are facts. It's not, well, some wills that know his sheep will follow him. That's what it says. And I give unto them eternal life. Most people believe that he offers it. That's not what it says. I give unto them eternal life. We're talking about the great things that he's done for you. And he says, I give unto them eternal life. And you said, well, I, you know, maybe I think he just offers it and it's up to us to accept or refuse. But it, I had to say, how do you know it's not an offer? 
Well, look what it says. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. If it was an offer, some of them would perish. Now, there will be human beings perish, but not any of his, not his sheep. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father who gave them to me, might ask that, how did you get to be the Lord's sheep? Says, my Father who gave them to me. You didn't get to be the Lord's sheep by something you did. My Father who gave them to me is greater than all. No man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So we're talking about why we serve him. Consider the great things he has done for you. Maybe Romans chapter 3, if we have another moment. We need to understand that where we, where we were, Romans 3, and we start in verse 9. We need to, to, before we can, I think before we can consider how great things he's done for you, we need to understand what you were. We need to understand what I was. So it says, uh, Romans 3 and 9, What then? Are we better than they? No, in no way. For we have before proved, both Jews and Greeks, that they're all under sin. We're all descendants of Adam. As it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. I remember years ago, a lady, I couldn't believe she said it. She says, I'm above reproach. I, 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 just, my, I, I just couldn't believe it. She said that. I'm above reproach. She, I suppose she believed it. Or hoped it was true, maybe. But as it's written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. You say, well, I seek after God. No, you don't seek after God. He may have caused you to seek after God, but we wouldn't. We would choose darkness rather than light. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. They're all going out of the way. They're all together becoming profitable. And there is a none that doeth good. No, not one. So this is where we were. So then consider what great things he has done for you. He's redeemed you. He's paid the price for you. Uh, well, while we're here in Romans, let's go to, to uh, chapter 5 and verse 19. For as by one man's obedience, or what, by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of everyone, and it doesn't say that. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. How are we made righteous? By your obedience? By my obedience? And a thousand times no. Made it be, we're made righteous by the obedience of one. So that's why in our text, only fear the Lord, that's a reverential fear, respect and affection mingled with all, and serve. 
It's not a burdensome serving. Serve him in truth. It's the only way you can, in spirit and in truth. With all your heart, that's the degree where to serve him. Don't serve man any. Don't lean on man. Don't trust in man any. And the reason for the servant is consider how great things he has done for you. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed.